We are blessed to have you join us. What we do for Christ has infinite significance. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Are we trusting God to affect the world for Christ and eternity? Or are we charting our own course, consumed with the temporal pleasures of our finite earthly existence? Are we praying without ceasing, or are we ceasing to pray for God-called laborers to fulfill the harvest? God will never fail us. Are we failing Him? Listen closely with Bible, pen, and paper handy as Pastor Rander ministers to us today. Uh, Turn with us to Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38 is our text. We're going to continue. We're actually in part three. We're going to take up what we left off last time. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38 is our text. And the word of God reads, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And from this particular passage of scripture, we want to preach this morning, where are the laborers? Where are the laborers? By way of introduction, as we look around at the condition of America, and as we look around not only at America, but the rest of the world, we see people that are bewildered. We see people who are distressed. When we look around, we see people who are confused and lonely. People are in all kinds of crises. Right under my voice, by radio, by television, even in this congregation today, there are persons experiencing crises the likes of which they've not seen a witness before. There are broken marriages. There are saints who are engaged in separation and divorce. People who are depressed. Right under my voice are people who are suicidal. In our world, on many corners of our city, we see homelessness. There are nursing homes that are filled with residents. There are persons in prison, family members in prison. There are those who are struggling with all kinds of addictions. While others are consumed with technology, virtual fantasies, and entertainment, These are the kinds of things people are dealing with nowadays. There are many who live in pursuit of virtual fantasies. I mean, they're in a crisis, don't even know they're in a crisis. Satan have them all deceived because they're so wrapped up in the virtual world. They're kind of in a twilight zone. Entertainment. There are many who live in pursuit of popularity. Many who live in pursuit of power, self-gratification, and the pleasures of this world. Satan knows his time is short and is making an all-out assault against Christians. Satan is making an all-out assault on families. Families are having immense problems because Satan is attacking the family relentlessly, not even to mention the Lord's church. If there's ever a time God's children need to rise up and be salt and light, dispensing the gospel in a dark and decadent world, it's right now. Our Lord is calling all of us to be workers in his vineyard, 
to meet the needs of people who are desperately in need of the Lord. The Lord desires to use our eyes to see the needs of people. The Lord desires to use our hands to touch and minister to the needs of people. He wants us to embrace people who are hurting, the grieving, and those who are in pain. The Lord wants us to use our feet to go wherever he wants us to go. He sends us to serve and to meet the needs of humanity. But the question is, dear ones, where are the laborers? I pose a question to you today. Will you rise up and work for Jesus today? Will you rise up and work for Jesus today? Let's look at verse 36. Verse 36, it says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary. They were tired. There are people under my voice. You are exhausted. There are those under my voice who are tired. You're stressed. You're barely hanging on. And there are many in Jesus's audience at his day. They were scattered like sheep having no shepherd scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Let me just focus a minute. They were scattered like sheep having no shepherd. With that being said, let me ask you a question. What causes God's people to be scattered from his church? You need to write this down. Because Satan's attacking the church and he's using these principles that I'm going to give you to wreak havoc in the Lord's church. So you need to write them down so when it happens in your family, families are being scattered. Their businesses are being torn apart. Churches being torn apart. Family being torn apart. So the question comes, what causes people to be scattered? What causes the saints to be scattered? What causes the Lord's church to be scattered? You need to write these down because you'll find them when you do so prevalent in many churches in our nation and world. The first thing is pride. Pride. Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You see, when any church is permeated with saints, who have a, who have too high of a view of themselves, this results in having a judgmental spirit. When you're full of pride, you'll have wrong motives. When you're full of pride, you'll have a condescending spirit speaking condescending words, which is the surest way to scatter and hinder the Lord's church. Pride. Satan manifests himself in pride to tear up the church to tear up the family, to tear up organizations, to tear up the businesses, to tear tear up anything. Pride is a most destructive means by which he do it. Number two, what does Satan use to scatter the church and organizations and families? Selfish ambition. Selfish ambition. James 3.16 says, for where you have envy and selfish ambition... Don't go past that word now. Selfish ambition. There it is. There you find disorder and every evil practice because of selfish ambition. You'll find disorder 
and every evil practice because of people in the church, in families, in organization, they have their own selfish ambition and they will tear it up if they cannot get their way. Let me tell you this business about selfish ambition. Some of you just run past that word, but you need to underline that word. Selfish ambition is to possess an enlarged ego and an eager desire to rise higher than others through ungodly means. Let me say that again. Selfish ambition is to possess an enlarged ego and an eager desire to rise higher than others, to be better than others, to promote self over others through ungodly means. Beloved, when you are in ministry to promote yourself and not make much of Christ, it will bring disorder. When it's about promoting you and your personal agenda, it will create strife and chaos, not only in the Lord's church, but in your home, in your business, in on boards and committees and whatever, wherever you are, when it manifests itself, that organization is in for a horrible ride. So people scatter because of pride. Sheep scatter because of selfish ambition. Thirdly, continual strife and discord among church members causes the church to scatter. Continual strife and discord among church members causes the church to scatter. And that's what Satan can do. If he can keep the the strife going, the fighting going, the animosity going, then the work of the kingdom never gets done. One of the seven things the Lord hates, according to Proverbs 6, 19, you got to write it down. One of the six things he hates. There are other things he hates in that passage, too. But one of the six things he hates in Proverbs 6, 19 is a false witness who speak lies and one who sows discord among the brethren. Discord among the brethren. Let me tell you something. A false witness is one who lies and sows discord, which is so destructive in the body of Christ and does not build or edify the body of Christ. It causes people to leave the church. When discord is sown, when discord is sown, people are hurt. They leave the church. They are scattered because they are hurt. They're in pain, they're disillusioned, and they're angry. If people can't find peace in the church, then where can they find it? If people cannot find harmony in the church, then where else in this world are they going to find it? Are they going to find it in politics? I don't think so. You're going to find it in education? I don't think so. Are they going to find it in pleasure? I don't think so. The church ought to be a place of healing. The church ought to be a place of refuge. People come in here in all kinds of condition. And if the church is messed up, those who come in say, why come here? They're more messed up than I am. They're more messed up than I am. Fourthly, what causes God's people to scatter Gossip and slander. Gossip, that tongue can wipe people out. 
Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Second Corinthians 12, 20 says, for I'm afraid that when I come, I may not find you as I want you to be. Paul said, as I, I'm, a, I'm mighty afraid that when I come, I'm not going to find you where you ought to be in your walk with the Lord. And you may not find me as you want me to be. I fear that there may be quarreling, quarreling. Listen, let's underline that quarreling, you know, quarreling, arguing. Some folk, they argue, argue, argue. Argue is their middle name. And it's terrible when a husband and wife, they argue about everything. Everything is an issue. Everything stresses them out. Nothing's right. The poor wife can't do nothing. Poor husband can't do nothing. In a lot of cases, the children, if they make a C, you say they make, make B's. And you, they ought to be striving for better, but you ought to say, I thank you for the C because you could have made a D. So I do thank you. It could have been worse. Thank you. Thank you for the C. I'll take that. But is this your best? But I thank you because I know it could be worse. I know it could be worse. So I encourage them. I thank God for the C. Now let's see if we can strive for the B. You on your way. You're a work in progress just like I am, boy. But together we're going to make it. I see success written all over your life. You see, you, you encourage them. You, you, you encourage them. You need to encourage your wife, encourage your husband. That's why the Bible keeps saying over and over in the scripture, in the New Testament, and to the New Testament church, encourage one another. Encourage one another. My friend, even a dog likes to be petted. You, you, get, you pet a dog, he just sniffing and licking, he curls up around you and he wants more, and his leg goes, his snout goes on. He's just saying, give me some more. He just, you know, around his ears and all that. Now, if a dog like that, what about people? And some of you will stroke your dog and you won't stroke your husband. You, you won't say a kind word to your wife. You, you talk nice to your cat and cuss out your husband. Quarreling. Jealousy. I ain't jealous. Jealousy is a horrible thing. And some of you are jealous and you don't even know you're jealous. You've been that way so long until you just, you just that way. You say, well, what am I jealous of? Perhaps it's the giftedness of others. Some people are jealous of the giftedness of others. Uh, you can be, you can be jealous even in the church of the positions of others. How did he get that position? He must be the pastor's pet. You know, positions of others opportunities given to others. Some of you get jealous of what other folk have, but when you think about your commitment, you're not even available for you to, to even be chosen. How's somebody going to choose you and you available once a month? The church will go under. Don't come to Sunday school. Don't come to Bible study. Don't tithe. You can't come to church four consecutive Sundays on time. And then you jealous because somebody get a position that you think you should have had. Won't you just do better and trust God? Outburst of anger will tap the church. You know, some churches in some meetings, they're, they're so rude. They holler, they holler and they scream at one another. They point their fingers 
in the pastor's faith. They raise their voices at people. They're trying to be intimidated. intimidated. Really, their aim is to scare you into submission to them. That's their aim. The outburst of anger, it happens in the streets. Listen, don't you roll your, your car window down and holler at anybody. That may be the last time you speak. You better leave these folk alone. If they don't go when that green light, you just say, Lord, help me to wait. Help me to wait. Please don't let me blow my horn, Lord. That may be the last time you blow. There is no regard for life. You better be slow with these people that you don't know. And some of these folk you think you know you don't know. Husbands screaming at wives. Wives screaming at husbands. And you got children screaming at parents. Talking back. Screaming. Raising their voices. Ooh. 30 years ago, they had three teeth gone. And child protective services wouldn't have done nothing. Wasn't even around to do anything. First thing you say, when those two come out missing, they didn't come out naturally. They, 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 they were knocked out. <laughs> They don't say, but the parents should have done that, should not have done that. They say, boy, what did you do? <laughs> not, not it's the parents' fault, it's the teacher's fault. It's everybody's fault, but the person who needs to be dealt with. Outburst of anger. These kids are hollering and screaming at you, and you tolerating and thinking it's cute. I see it in the store. Your, your child never tell you to shut up. You're right. Shut up. you talking about me growing some hair. You going to tell me with your little seven-year-old self to shut up? Shh. <laughs> that, that's another word they're called factions. See, y'all got to take your time. Y'all read the Bible too fast. You got to read it slowly and meditatively. You can't speed read the Bible and grow. Factions. Say Factions. Some of y'all haven't said that word, I don't know when, you, and you read over it. Now you say, what is factions? All these words I won't be able to break down, I'll be here too. I wish I could preach to y'all till 2 o'clock this afternoon, but I know y'all be walking out, tipping out, so I got I to gotta, I gotta move on for your sake. I know you can't wait on the benediction. Oh, by the way, it's dangerous to miss the benediction. Do you know the benediction is God's blessing on your life as you depart the house of God? I would not want to leave the blessing that's going to be prayed over me as I depart the house of God into a world that's evil. Because you don't know if you're going to be back by next Sunday. I tell you what, if you knew you, you'd be in heaven next Sunday, I believe you'd be here for the benediction. So factions, you say, what is that? That's organized dissenting groups. Those are little parties, little Organize, they get together. They have their little cliques, their groupings, their little grumbling, GG, call them GG, grumbling gatherings. They have sideline meetings underneath the radar, having their own agenda to circumvent what God wants to do. And you know, it's a danger. It's bad enough to have one, but when you have seven or eight of them in the same church, 
You talking about a church that can't make progress? Then I'm going to go on. Slander. Then you have gossip. I wish I had time to just go through all of these. Then you have arrogance, another form of pride, another word of pride. And oh, let me hold on. Hold on. This is a disorder. Disorder. God is a God of order. If you don't think he is, just look at Genesis chapter one and two and you'll see God order out of chaos and all of this. He said, let there be. He had order structure. And that's, that's the danger of America. They don't want the constitution. They, 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 they want everybody to do what's right in their own eye. Just open up everything. Go do whatever you want to do. No order. No order. No structure. If there's not structure in the school, how can a child learn? If there's no structure in the church, how can we worship and celebrate God? Somebody got a word from the Lord. Somebody speaking tongue over here. Somebody being slain in the spirit over here. And somebody said, I got an announcement right now, pastor. Stop preaching so I can say my announcement. I say, are you crazy? You got to have order. Say order. Hey, you know what basis mean? This is a military town, San Antonio, Texas, with all of these military installations. How many of you have been in the military at some point in your life uh, here? And you presently raise your hand. Oh, look at all those hands. You know what? The churches in San Antonio should be some of the most progressive, healthiest churches in the nation because you had structure and order. I feel so sorry for those kids when I get out the airport and those little cadets, they come into there and they're getting ready and they're sitting there in the airport on these little seats, about 50 or 60 of them, and they they looking scared, don't know where they are, don't know what they're doing, you know. And then all of a sudden they, they, they hit those barracks wherever they go, and and they have to get everything has to be done a certain way, a certain time, and one person mess up, all of them get it. You know what I'm talking about. They got to make the beds up, they got so many they got a few seconds of shower, a few minutes of shower, they gotta do this, they gotta do that, 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 that. They gotta know how to handle that gun, they gotta know how to shoot the gun, they know how to point the gun, they gotta know the name of the gun, they gotta know what the bullets are like, they gotta know everything. Oh, they're gonna have friendly fire all over the place. There has to be structure. Now Why is it that you can have all that structure in the military, but when you come out, so many folk lose it? They don't want structure. They don't want, they say, do this. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Attention. 80 push-ups. Got it. But you come out, everything you come to, you 15 minutes late. (laughs) What happened to all that structure? And I believe God taught you some of those principles so you can carry it over into your life so that you can be a productive citizen to the glory of God. Those are lifetime experiences, much of which you can use to teach your children and teach life lessons to others. Don't just lose everything you learned. You can transfer that into your civilian experiences. Can I get some amens from the military personnel? Yeah, tell me order. So much disorder. Listen, Satan can use any one of these 
in this list as a tool to rip the church to pieces in ministry meetings. Satan can use, he can use outbursts of anger, factions, slander, gossip, arrogance, disorder, to tap business meetings, committee meetings, to tap your business, to tap your home, to even tap the worship celebration. Also, Satan uses social media to continue his assault against the church with every one of these destructive means long after disgruntled members have left the church. After they're gone, they're really not gone. They're still trying to scatter the flock, even though they're disgruntled, even though they're gone. They're gone, but they're still in the church, assaulting the church, hammering people in the church. Even though they're gone to another church, gone, whatever, they all in your business, all in the church business, they're not even gone. What else does Satan use to, to scatter the flock? Number five, confusion. Acts chapter 19, verses 32 through 33 says, The assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing. I like this passage. Some another, but underline this. Most of the people did not even know why they were there. Look at that. Did y'all underline that? Did you see that? Most of the people... Y'all got to get that. Y'all see, some of y'all seen that for the first time. It's in your Bible. You haven't torn torn out that page. Underline that. Most of the people, now they in all that confusion, raising all that hell, tearing it up, didn't even know why they were there. My friends, some believers fight so much until they're not even aware of why they're fighting. It's just their nature to fight. They get so caught up in their emotions that they cannot even give a clear and solid answer as to why they are involved in matters that are of no concern to them. You've seen it before. You could look at the news and you see protest over this, protest over that, protest over that, right? Whatever the protest is about. And then you get those the media personalities that come and interview people on the streets in the protest. And they say, well, now, give me some reasons why you're here. What's, what's concerned? What would you like to see happen? And they ask some strategic questions, and they can't even, half of them can't even answer why they out there protesting. The Bible tells us to fear not, for God is with us. Be not dismayed, for he is our God. He will strengthen us. He will help us. He will uphold us with the right hand of his righteousness. We must not be afraid, nor ashamed, nor slothful. We must be bold. We must be willing. We must be filled with the Holy Spirit. God is able and he won't fail. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas or call us at 210 821-5683.